Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hey, Brittany. Hi, Connor. As I've been reading the news lately, I've been thinking a bit more about uh, the term patriotism uh, and kind of a related word that I think it'd be good for us to compare and contrast. So there's patriotism, and then there's also nationalism. And I feel like a lot of people maybe confuse these words or think that, you know, they have the same meaning. Uh, but to my understanding, and with everything that I've read and studied in the past, there's actually some pretty strong differences between what is patriotism um, and what is nationalism. So, you know, I think both words to at least some extent mean loving your country or loving your nation. But I think there's something a bit deeper than that. And there's clear uh, differences to it. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, there's actually a really good quote from Sidney Harris. I believe he was a journalist back in the day, but uh, kind of sums up, you know, these this what you were just talking about, the debate between these two words. So he says, the difference between patriotism and nationalism is that the patriot is proud of his country for what it does. And the nationalist is proud of his country no matter what it does. Hmm. I think that's a pretty cool quote. Proud of your country for what it does. Maybe what he means there is like proud of your country for the good things, right? For the good things, cause, yeah. Yeah, because governments can do a lot of bad things, which maybe gets to that nationalism point. No matter what it does, even when it does bad things, you're uh, proud. And um, I'm reminded of uh, George Washington and in his farewell address. In fact, you know, so he's the first president of the United States. A lot of people wanted George Washington to be the king. Um uh, it's kind of funny for Alexander all the, Hamilton you know, did actually. exactly <laughs> for, for all the Hamilton love yeah. going on. <laughs> Hamilton was a nationalist and he wanted, you know, George Washington and his posterity to kind of be the new king of America. And, and a lot of people um, kind of wanted wa- that. But George Washington, to his amazing credit, uh, basically did not want power. He did not seek uh, these types of um, uh, opportunities. Uh, he was kind of a reluctant leader. Uh, to step forward and do this because he felt it was the right thing to do. And uh, so he's he's president of the United States, a fir- brand new country, trying to lead it through its uh, first few years. And when he is done uh, being president, serving as president, he writes kind of a, a farewell address um, and shares a lot of his thoughts. And in that farewell address, he has a lot of thoughts about parties because the whole country had just come together to fight off uh, the, the the British uh, Empire, the strongest empire in the whole world. And miraculously, they won. And uh, interestingly, you know, clearly they won with uh, f- support from the French, but also German Hessians, which were basically yes. hired uh, guns, hired soldiers uh, that they <laughs> paid for uh, to come fight. So it wasn't just Americans fighting the British. There were some other people who came to help. Nonetheless, uh, you know, uh, Americans across uh, all spectrums, old, young, poor, rich, uh, banded together to uh, fight in this cause. And uh, there was kind of a like a unity, right? Not everyone agreed. In fact, what's really interesting is to read history of people who who were loyalists, uh, which means they lived in America, but they supported the British government. They they didn't agree with the revolution. And there were actually a lot of people like that. So it's not like everyone living here, you know, wanted to get rid of the British government. That's not true at all. But broadly speaking, there was a lot of excitement for what was called the, the cause of the patriots. Um, And so here's George Washington feeling like there's been at least a lot of unity, especially after the revolution. People are like, hey, we're Americans now. We're our own country. 
and kind of a common identity, right? And so then uh, he's in his first few years as president, and he's already seeing things start to break down. He's already seeing these different factions, uh, these these different groups splintering off for their own different interests. I mean, Alexander Hamilton is a great example. Uh, there were people like Alexander and others in George Washington's cabinet, which means kind of his top leaders, his group of top leaders, who totally disagreed with one another. And you had the formation of these brand new political parties within America, uh, within the brand new government. So people were aligning themselves with different political parties. Obviously, we know that this is still with us today um, with Republicans and Democrats and, and other minor political parties. What George Washington wrote about in his farewell address was a warning about what he called the spirit of party. He was warning Americans saying, we've had this unity, but if we let the spirit of party kind of come in and infect us, it's going to be bad news. Um, I don't have the words in front of me, but I would encourage you. In fact, Brittany, let's link, go ahead yeah. and link on the show notes page today to that farewell address. It is very much worth reading. It's and what beautiful. I found is that a lot of people have never encountered this, is, uh, you know, going through uh, social studies in school and so forth. So take a minute with your family, read that farewell address. It's not very long, uh, but it's very interesting. And focus on the words he talks about party because it is a warning of the very things that we're seeing. Why do I bring this up? I bring this up, Brittany, because as we talk about patriotism versus nationalism, you definitely see what I'm going to call tribalism, um, where people affiliate with uh, or, or group with their tribe. It's yeah. like, hey, I'm Republican, and everyone who's not a Republican is awful or not as good as me. And you get a lot of pride coming in where it's almost like sports teams in a way, yeah, right? That's what like, I was thinking of too. <laughs> yeah, people have, and if I'm being honest, as I've learned more about politics over the years, it actually turned me off to sports uh, because I saw in sports and like teams the same kind of tribal mentality that, you know, I've seen in, in politics. Um, I love sports, just like I love like, you know, civics and economics and ideas. But when people kind of combat one another and think they're, you know, they elevate themselves over other people, I'm better than you just because of this team identity that started to turn me off. And so I used to be like a growing up, I was like a big 49ers fan. Hey, you don't right? strike me like, as a sports fan, Connor. <laughs> yeah, well, you and a lot of other people. Um, and so so patriotism, if we're talking about like love of country, love of ideas, love of freedom, love of you know, the beauty around us and, and prosperity and free markets and justice. Uh, that's amazing. And that's awesome. And that there's a lot of reason to have pride. But Brittany, I feel like when we talk about nationalism, it's a lot more of what George Washington was warning about. It's, it's very much this like tribal mentality of us versus them. And our government is good no matter what it does. Uh, that, that's what starts to worry me. Uh, I, I would agree with that. And there was actually a really good, I can't remember how she worded this, but one of a, my mentors when I was a teacher and she was teaching me how to teach kids, she told me something and she said that patriotism is almost not connected with a place, right? Patriotism is, especially American patriotism, it was such an ideal. And we've seen this when we talk about Bastia, right? Somebody all the way in France knew what people were doing in America because what the American revolutionaries were doing was so cool, right? It was so important that these ideals kind of spread because it wasn't just you had to be an American, right? Thomas Jefferson even said, these are you know, all you have to do is be born to have unalienable rights. So there's this idea that like patriotism, American patriotism is almost above a place, right? It doesn't matter where an American lives. They can still be patriotic because of these ideals. 
nationalism is a little bit different. In fact, there's a little bit of a scary term, blood and soil, people sometimes say, where it is kind of like nationalism as a place. It's that tribalism. Like I am, I am right because I live in this country and anybody who's in a different country is wrong because they don't live in my country. It's almost more territorial. I don't know how you think about that, but I've always thought that was kind of an interesting way to view the two. Hmm. I, I agree with you. And as we're talking here, um, I was just reminded of an article I wrote, wow, like 10 years ago. Uh, we'll, we'll link to it on the show notes page, um, tuttletwins.com slash podcast. Uh, this article uh, I titled, Why America Should Apologize. And it gets to this idea of nationalism is kind of like a no apology, even when my government is wrong, we're always right, we're best, blah, 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 versus patriotism, I think is very much like, uh, you know, praising the good things and praising the right things. But when the bad things happen, a patriot will call that out, right? Like, hey, that's wrong. That's an injustice. And, you know, this article is a decade ago, a decade old. And so some of the references um, are a bit older. For example, I catalog uh, in this article a few examples of politicians saying that we should never apologize for uh, for America. So Jason Chaffetz, who at Yikes. the time was a... <laughs> congressman in my state of Utah, your former state, yes. uh, he was at a big conference full of Republicans and conservatives. And he said, quote, we should never, ever, ever apologize for America. Uh, former Governor Sarah Palin, who uh, was the vice presidential candidate with John uh, McCain, she was trying to, uh, with John McCain, be a president, vice president of the whole country. She said we should, quote, never apologize for our country. Uh, former President George H.W. Bush, so not his son George W. Bush, but his the dad who was president in like the we were kids, yeah, 80s, I think, yeah. He said, uh, and I quote, "I'll never apologize for the United States ever. I don't care what the facts are." Yikes! Which is, <laughs> yeah, which is crazy, especially. Um, you know, I'll share very briefly before we move on. That statement in particular is very worrisome. Uh, in 1988, there was a missile uh, that was launched by the Navy that destroyed an airplane in Iran, uh, a civilian airplane. In other words, just average individuals on there. Not even All, a government, not a military plane. Just a correct. Yeah. Co correct. All 290 passengers were killed, including 66 children. And Bush, at the time, he was vice president and he was campaigning to become he wanted to be the president. And in response to that event, he said, I will never apologize for the United States. I don't care what the facts are. I'm not an apologize for America kind of guy. And, and, and you just look at that and you're like, what are you doing? Right? Like, that's just crazy. And yet there are so many people, especially in the government like that, who are nationalists because they can't admit fault. They can't uh, concede or agree that their team uh, is wrong or imperfect or at fault sometimes. So uh, there are several other examples uh, that we go into. We'll link to that on the show notes page. But but I think you know an apology or admitting mistakes is part of being a patriot because you need to see that a government comprised of imperfect people are going to be imperfect. And, yeah, and that, I, also just like like standing up and saying this is wrong, even maybe before we have to apologize, right? It might be interviewing and saying, let's not go to war. I know you and I were very anti both Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, is being vocal about that maybe before we even get there. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think a patriot is willing to kind of call out the government when they're wrong, whereas a nationalist is 
uh, always willing. It's kind of like um, in the Bible, there's the example uh, that Jesus shares of like the, the moat and the beam, right? Why, why do you see the, the moat in someone else's eye and not the beam in your own? In other words, you're like, you're seeing these little mistakes that other people are, are doing in their lives, but you don't realize that you have these like horrible problems yourselves. And I feel like that is a good description, uh, probably for all of us in many ways, but also in this context, the nationalist who is willing to see faults in other countries, other governments. They're always sharing things on Facebook about, oh, look at this horrible thing that's happening. And I always will find examples uh, like, oh, you know, look, this they they sent this guy to prison, you know, for this uh, this reporter, right? They, they sent this reporter like they don't support freedom of speech. And then I'll find examples in America How that we are don't like, either. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, let me introduce you to Julian Assange, right? And uh, and and uh, examples in America or Edward Snowden, right? Yeah. Who we've talked about before, and just. Uh, our, our government is not perfect. Um, there are many things wrong with our own government. And a nationalist uh, is very willing to overlook, I think, uh, or, or ignore those bad things and only try and focus on and attack the bad things in other countries to make them look bad in order to make us look good. And I just, I don't think that that is, uh, I'll, I'll call it intellectually honest. In other words, I don't think it's uh, fair. I don't think it's correct. Um, I don't think it's sincere. Uh, so something that is intellectually dishonest, you're trying to be deceitful or lie or manipulate. Um, so so I, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of love for nationalists. What about you? Uh, no, I'm in the same camp. I think it's also, we saw this play out with the trade war. And a lot of people probably heard the term trade war play out. And what that essentially was is that any goods or services coming in from another country, we were putting a really high taxes on called tariffs. And that was kind of another example of nationalism, right? Maybe it's not as stark as going to war or something like that, but it's basically saying that we want things made in America and how dare you make things out of America and it's not as good as here, so we're going to charge you more. But what happened when all these trade wars happened? Americans suffered. We all suffered because taxes went up for us, right? Or the prices went up for us because they, you know, the companies had to account for the tariffs. So nationalism is not only a little bit dangerous, it doesn't help anyone. I don't see it helping anyone. So I, I think it's something we should probably try to avoid. Well, head to the show notes page, TuttleTwins.com slash podcast. As always, we're very grateful uh, for you to uh, having having subscribed to our podcast. We would appreciate you sharing it with others so that we can help even more families learn the way the world works. Until next time, Brittany, and as always, thanks for chatting, and we'll see you next time. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.